0: This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network.
1: Hey, gang, what it do? It is Coindesk TV. You are watching The Hash. I'm Zach Seward. We got Wendy O, Jensen Assey, Will Foxley. A-plus squad. What a day. Happy Monday. Let's get this thing going. I guess I'm leading off as well. Let's take a look at coins. Aptos, remember that network, that base layer that launched in October, right before everything hit the fan? Potentially the worst possible mainnet launch of all time, in terms of timing, that is. (laughs) Seems to be back from the dead, showing strong price activity in recent weeks. APT, the native token of the Aptos blockchain, doubling in price amid strong NFT interest, according to Coindesk, that is. Interesting to see some of these newer base layers potentially find their stride in what looks sort of like an entire market pump a little bit. Bitcoin is up, I think, north of 23,000. Last time I checked, NASDAQ composite index is up 2%. And as such, some more obscure layer ones seem to be having some success in the price department at least as well. So I wanted to talk about that. Uh, Aptos seemingly back from the dead a little bit uh, after making a bunch of noise uh, at the end of late last year, raising a bunch of money, creating a new base layer that was uh, ultimately going to serve NFT projects and other things similar to what other blockchains in the space have been doing. Very curious kind of about the Alt-L1 thesis in general here in 2023 uh, on some strength from Aptos and other tokens that we're seeing now in the market. I'm going to toss this straight to Will for some bigger thoughts, I guess, on the Alt-L1 thesis. Will, do you think we're ever going to see those heady days of Alt-L1s pumping, such as we saw with
2: Solana, Luna, Avalanche, the famous Vax trade from a while ago? Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. First of all, I gotta say, I think you might have beaten uh, Wendy's backdrop in terms of who was the coolest backdrop on the show these days. That bookcase looking nice. Sorry, Wendy, you gotta up it up a little bit. Jen's always in third place, and I'm of course in last wow. place perpetually. Wow. So that's what it is.
3: At least you put yourself but, last.
2: Yeah, I mean it's true. I'm like in a prison cell over here. I need I need to decorate a little bit, but you know I'm 26. That's not my specialty. So let's we'll just forget about it. Uh, Let's talk about this whole trade here. Aptos, like you said, Zach, had a terrible launch, like a terrible launch, like marketing, PR. They had so much behind this. They put so much money into it and it popped immediately. There was a lot of negativity around the token allocation to the foundation. I think about a billion tokens were allocated totally for the entire token ecosystem and half went to the foundation. It's a lot of money just to foundation. They pushed back against that, saying, in comparison to other token projects, the percentage was actually quite fair. You know, take your own piece on that. That's always going to be an argument if you're going to do some sort of pre-mine. But in terms of like the timing, also terrible. Right before FTX, we know that a lot of these teams actually had some connections with Alameda Research and FTX. Uh, Aptos and Sui were basically two competing brands coming out at the same time. End of a bull market, really in the middle of a bear market at that point. And it's a hard time to launch a layer one network. We have seen that work in the past. Avalanche, Solana, uh, Luna, a lot of these tokens were launched during the last bear market. And you know, they've, they, they did well during the bull market. They did do well, but they also sort of crashed afterwards, right? There wasn't any sustainability like we've seen with Ethereum, which really has gone to its next set of legs and carried pretty well if you look at its price. Here for Aptos, I saw the storyline, and my first thought was actually pretty bearish. I was like, it might be up right now, but we do see this happen quite a bit during bear markets. Where a random, no named layer one project that most people have forgotten about randomly pumps, you know, 50%, 100%. But to be fair, if you're looking at this, it's actually beaten its all time high since October. So maybe it's finding some legs in the middle of this bear market, along with a lot of other tokens. Wendy, I'll throw this one up to you though.
0: There's kind of a lot to unpack with this. So I believe that the guys that kind of started this were ex Google employees or affiliated with Google in some way.
1: X Facebook. They were involved in mm-hmm. Libra, later DM, and they brought the Move programming language with them. So it's Facebook, not Google.
0: See, fancy smancy guys. Okay, so you. also, t- you know, I needed to know, I needed to be fact checked. So thank you for correcting me. So when Aptos first launched, I remember how rough it was because it was literally like in the middle of the crypto contagion. It was probably a terrible time to launch, but at the same time, is there ever really a good time to launch a crypto project? I mean, unless you're like straight in the bull market, but just like when you were ready to have kids, is it ever a good time to have kids? Never. someone, you, know you, you can never,
1: don't know, you can't ever <laughs> <commit> <laughs> a time throwing a grenade into your parents life. On the it, show. Just, it just
0: happens. <laughs> you, and it you just out. don't it's know. Yeah. But again, you guys, like, I feel like, like Solana, I'm actually surprised that it's still doing well. And I think we're going to find out more information in regards to the, how many ties Alameda actually had to it throughout the court case, which is going to take probably forever. But again, I like to see layer ones kind of compete. We need layer ones. We need this positive competition. I think it's important for the entire crypto ecosystem, especially with NFTs. NFTs are not going anywhere anytime soon. We're going to see them continue to build and grow. We need projects like this that can kind of help facilitate it. I personally think the reason why Ethereum has done so well is because the ecosystem has been so built out. And if Ethereum fails, then basically every other single altcoin or a lot of these NFT projects are going to fail too. So Ethereum cannot fail. Like it literally can't fail. Or we're going to have like, a bunch of terrible things happen in the industry. However, I still do think we're in a bear market. I still do think that this is, you know, not a necessarily sustainable pump with anything. And if you're somebody that's like aping into this stuff, investing dollar cost averaging, please have an entry and exit plan. I just, it just makes me uneasy to see how many people are just jumping into stuff and they're like, oh, yay, we're buying green candles. We're up, we're making money. And then the thing ends up dumping later on because the rest of the market dumps and then they lose all of their money. So I think it's good. I like layer ones. I love the competition love to see it, love the ties that they have. But at the same time, I do think it's pretty centralized. But does that matter in crypto these days? Jen?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I remember back in October when we talked about this story. And Wendy, you asked, is there a good time to launch a crypto project? It seemed like this was a good time. A bunch of former Meta employees, I think that they had raised $150 million on a $4 billion valuation. It felt like this was going to be you know, a huge thing. And then it wasn't. They promised these really speedy transactions. I think on launch day, we were all coming down on them because there was reporting that, you know, they were only allowing four transactions per second to go through. And then I read this story and, you know, I really focused on the NFT angle. I love to see NFT projects flourishing. I read this morning that AptoPunks is up over 2000%, which is like the Aptos version of CryptoPunks. And then there was another project up over 3,000%. This really reminded me of when Solana was pumping and we saw all these Solana NFT projects, you know, like flying through the sky and now look at where Solana is. And so for me, I just watch this. I watch this layer one and I think, you know, who are going to be the layer ones we watch for NFTs in the next bull market? And if we've learned anything from Solana, it could be anyone. My money's on Polygon, to be honest, but Zach, I saw your hand go up.
1: Yeah, I mean, these are all green fields, right? And I think it's interesting (laughs) to see projects start to sprout up on these various pipes that undergird these various communities. So the fact that Aptos is seeing some interest, it's interesting. We'll watch it develop over time. All right, that's it for that one. Let's change gears. We'll go to another base layer. I think Wendy's taking this one. What do you got? Ooh,
0: we get to talk about one of my favorite founders in crypto. Anyways, Cardano network quickly recovers after brief node outage. The Cardano <laughs> network stalled for about two minutes yesterday and the bug was automatically fixed within minutes, which is very, very impressive because you guys remember when Solana went down and how detrimental that was. Everybody was talking about it. It was a big drama. Well, Charles H. said the network self-healed. He said they haven't found the exact trigger that caused the stall, but it self-healed and some devs called it an unexpected shutdown, but said all nodes were restarted automatically. Zach, I actually want to throw this over to you. Is this a centralized project? I mean, considering that it went down and nobody knows why it went down, but it kind of went down and like it was a big drama and like, but then it self-healed. What does that mean? Can't nature self-heal, but block, like, please t- explain this to me.
1: Thank you for your question, Wendy. I will not be answering it directly <laughs> at this time. I just want to talk about how Charles Hoskinson said that he could buy Co- CoinDesk if he wanted to at $200 million because he's rich. emphasizing all that if he wanted to. So that's, uh, that's the subtext that of all that. That's a, it's, it's simply amazing. So anyway, <laughs> hey, Cardano, it's doing its thing. It lives on. It has a big figurehead and a big community of people who care about it. What are the technical underpinnings of this network? Unclear to me, but obviously it continues on and looks to support DAPS into the future. So yeah, good thing. It's self-healed. It's back. It's back online. Fantastic. I just want to talk about Charles and that video that he made that made a couple headlines in Bloomberg and other outlets who just ate that right up. That's all I got to say. I'm going to pass it to Will. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I'd say ballsy of you when you bring up a Cardano story that's not super positive, right? When Charles was floating that idea around, you know, we're going to be on the chopping block if you keep that up. I think for the self-healing stuff, you got to talk about <laughs> is it's more or less like nodes restart themselves if there's an issue and then just go back to like a different block header or chain state route, that kind of thing. I don't know like the exact technical term, but basically you just like turn it <laughs> off, turn it back on, and keep rolling. A lot of different chains have these sort of things and uh, they they use them for good reason because a lot of these different networks, Cardano, Ethereum, Solana, they're pretty complicated, right? It's not like a Bitcoin node that just like takes a block every 10 minutes and keeps chugging along. You don't really need to do anything with a Bitcoin node. You can dust it off every once in a while, but it's there, it's online, it's not gonna go down. You get some of these more complex networks and sometimes you even have to use like a server room. You have to go all the way up, getting like a tier three, tier four server, with high input to output, you have to get like, really good internet bandwidth. You have to have really good server storage. You have to have good RAM, all that sort of stuff. So it gets complex fast. And that's where you see this stuff with like the self-healing, right? Where you need to be able to like, turn this machine back on and off automatically. So is it like some sort of brand new revelation within crypto, the fact that they're able to do this? No, it was not. Is it important? Yes, it is because Cardano is trying to be like, a little bit more than Bitcoin. It's trying to be even more than Ethereum. They're doing a, like a lot of different technical things on top of it. I'm pretty bearish on the idea because I think the t- the project is taking a very long time, but that is a roadmap. So I think we just leave that technical ooh, part there, Ball for it and for Jen. Ooh, get your thoughts on brave it.
0: of you.
3: <laughs> well, we'll simplify this for me. You know, the Cardano army is out here really implying that this shows resilience of the network. Is, no. is that what we should take a, away from that?
2: <laughs> no, you should not does. take that away from it. I mean, it, it, this stuff happens like Chains Fork. Chains go offline for a little bit. You don't want to see a chain ever go offline. And to be fair, this was only like 50% of nodes. It wasn't like 100% of nodes. But you don't want to see something like this. This is why Bitcoin doesn't really change very often because the more you have this, the more centralized your network is. You have to push updates to people. And that means that you could have more like technical debt or you could have infiltration, those sort of things. I mean, I think this story is like it's more of a nothing burger than a danger sign. But, you know, we got to bring it up because Charles was talking about Coindesk. So.
0: This is the thing. This is the thing. If we don't have fun with this story, then it's not real news. We can't be like regular mainstream media. We have to talk about <laughs> things. We have to challenge people. We have to ask these types of questions. That wouldn't be fun, you know? As far as it goes, like, I do like Cardano. I like that it's affordable. I like that you can do NFTs on it. I like that they're actually starting to build stuff out. And I've got some Cardano NFTs. So I think that this is kind of a good story to see that the network had a little bit of problems. It shut down. It was able to restart soon. And they handled it very, very well within like two minutes. So I think that that's a positive aspect. And just wanted to throw that out there. Zach, you can go ahead and take it. And don't be scared to let your voice...
1: We're going to get flamed no, online. Zach, hey, never I got, afraid I got to let his voice I like uh, it's, the Cardano army. I like them. No, I mean, to the Cardano's Randy- credit, slow and steady. Slow and steady may win the race, right? If we're in the early innings of the blockchain revolution and Charles is out here saying slow and steady, peer review... You know, academic intensive, we want to do it right, then more power to them. And maybe this is an indicator that there's some success to that approach. Will, I think you mentioned the slow timeline that Cardano has always been sort of associated with. Part of that is by design, and maybe they're waiting it out, waiting till, you know, mass market interest comes back for them to roll out their next big surprising reveal. And that's fine. I mean, I think we talked about Aptos previously, right? We talk about all these different base layers that are out there that are looking to support various applications. And each going about that in a different way. But whether that's technologically or business development approach, you name it, right? These are all potentially answers to different answers, different reasonable answers to the same questions. So I think that's what we talk about when we talk about all L1s and sort of this, I wouldn't say war competition, but obviously within the marketplace, all these networks are jockeying for developer attention and therefore user attention down the line, regardless of price. So anyway, it's always worth checking in on Cardano. Aptus, new chains, old chains. That's what we do here. That's all I got.
2: Financial Times is reporting that Argentina and Brazil might be working towards a common currency. Reuters is throwing a little cold water on top of that, but it's a good time to talk about common currency goals and the future of cryptocurrencies nonetheless. According to the Financial Times article, Argentina and Brazil are working this week in Buenos Aires at a summit talking about maybe uniting their currencies in the same way that the EU did about 30 years ago. There's a few other currency unions within the global economy. And you know that kind of works sometimes, but not always that great. That being said, we do have this new innovation called cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin, and that is adding a little bit of pressure to this whole conversation. We talk about CBDCs quite a bit on this show, so maybe we can even get some thoughts on that. Before we go over that, I want to pull up a tweet from Brian Armstrong talking about this new report from the Financial Times saying that you know maybe Bitcoin could be a good option for these two, though it's unlikely to occur. Zach, I want to throw the story over to you. Of course, we have that new reporting from Reuters this morning, which, again, throws a little cold water on the initial reporting from the Financial Times. But common currencies are obviously very interesting for cryptocurrency adoption because it might bring in the doors for Bitcoin or something else to be used on a global level.
1: Yeah I think you're right. In The wake of El Salvador, right, making Bitcoin legal tender, there was a lot of conversation about who might be next. That timing didn't work out especially well for El Salvador, and I'd imagine that interest in pursuing Bitcoin as legal tender in you know a group of countries or in individual countries. Uh, I'd assume a lot of the momentum around that has waned. But yeah, I mean, that's the point of what Bitcoin is, right? This is stateless money. It doesn't require a central bank to issue this currency. Uh, it doesn't require you know military force to enforce its value, right? These are things that are algorithmically secured and exist as borderless, non-state money. So the idea that these could be collectively embraced at the country level is something that I think would potentially make sense. There's obviously a ton of technical cultural hurdles toward doing that in terms of getting these uh, communities up to speed and using that. I will say Argentina and a little bit of Brazil, they've been pretty quick to adopt cryptocurrencies. Obviously, with like the specter of hyperinflation in Argentina, stablecoins play um, perhaps a more significant role in that country's economy than they would in other Western economies. So the fact that this is being floated as an idea among the sort of the crypto chattering class is plausible. I don't think that's likely going to happen, or maybe it isn't the wise long term bet. Maybe these countries want to retain some national control over what this reportedly shared currency could look like. But all that is obviously TBD. And I think, yeah, the Reuters report says, hey, more bilateral economic agreement, maybe not so much the shared currency. So I think there's still some details to be worked out there for sure. Jen, I saw your hand go up though. I'm going to toss it your way.
3: Yeah, I think, honestly, I I read this article and I thought like, wow, that's great that the governments are are trying to work together to kind of battle some of these fiscal issues across the board in Latin America. Uh, But then I looked to the euro and the euro took 35 years to develop. And I think that's a little slow if we're trying to come up with a solution that is affecting the people of your country. So Argentina's annual inflation is approaching 100%. I feel like every time we talk about inflation in Argentina, the number just keeps getting higher and higher. And I just think that crypto is the solution here. If it's going to take decades to come up with, with a universal, well, not a universal currency, but with a currency that, that all these countries can use, I just think that it's, it's not ideal. We already see Latin American countries, the citizens of these countries adopting crypto. I immediately think of Lemon Cash, the exchange in Argentina that launched that Visa card that gives people 2% back in Bitcoin. That when it launched was it was a huge success with citizens, and so I think that crypto is the answer. I don't know that these these guys are going to be able to get this together fast enough to actually offer a real solution. Wendy,
0: maybe it'll be Cardano, something built on Cardano. You don't know. I don't know. They've that got it will stable. Be Wendy. You know what? They've <laughs> got stable coins. They've got privacy coins now. Come on, we can't rule it Husky out.
2: Even a coin, dog Even knockoff of coin. Dogecoin for Cardano. I got it you all. No,
0: come on. In all seriousness, I think that they'll probably go the route that um, the president of El Salvador did. Why wouldn't they? They've seen pretty decent success over there considering. So, why wouldn't they do that? I think it's an interesting idea to explore. And I'm excited to see some of these countries that have experienced a lot of hardships kind of look towards crypto or Bitcoin or whatever that solution may be to, you know, really help their people. Because at the same time, when we look at, like everybody used to run to the United States for help way back in the day. But now the United States is such a big mess, especially with inflation and everything we're going on in our own economy. We're not really a viable enough to help other places like we used to be. So that's my opinion on that. Zach, I think I saw your hand.
1: No, I didn't really have anything. I think no? it was Will was probably going to lend oh, some insight to the conversation.
2: Will, you got anything? That's what I try to do on the show. Hopefully hopefully I do fulfill that. I, the one thing I want to think about with this headline is just like how much we focus on Bitcoin and crypto. And that might seem like just something that's out there to a lot of people who are new to space. It's just very in ether. We don't really understand why. But then you see a headline like this and you say, oh, there's actually large countries that have huge populations they have to steward, large resources. And the denominator for everything they do is a currency. So currencies do matter a lot. And that's what Bitcoin and all these other currencies are grappling with is the future of who's going to use uh, what money. And to Brian Armstrong's tweet, like this is very unlikely that something like this is going to happen. right? El Salvador was sort of a pipe dream that came true somehow. It's still sort of an odd story that people are really grappling with, really trying to understand. That being said, these things aren't going away anytime soon. And every time we have a CBDC story, or anytime we have a Bitcoin adoption story, or a story like this between two countries trying to figure out a new mutual currency, then you can only think that this space is only becoming more important. But Jen, let's go over to you for the last story of the day.
3: All right. We're going to talk about a Web3 social wallet that's trying to solve some of these pain points when we talk about community and Governance. So, social wallet tribes raised $3.3 million in funding. And, Will, I know you're going to say that's not a lot, but we're in a bear market. So, just hang tight with me. Tribes (laughs) allows their users to co own and manage digital assets while communicating right from within the wallet. So, eliminating the need for other messaging services like Telegram and Discord. Use cases include DAOs who have built communities around shared missions and family members who might want to contribute to joint ownership of something. Founder and CEO, Hush Buab Dala, I'm sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly, told Coindesk that the strengthening of Web3 infrastructure to attract Web2 natives has emerged as a trend in the post-FTX environment. Will, I'm going to toss this one off to you. What do you make of this, of this wallet? It is allegedly going to allow people to co-own assets, make votes on what to do with those assets, all from within one platform.
2: I love you. You already came up with my standpoint before I even got to speak. So I guess I have to hold to that. I don't think wallets necessarily deserve like large valuations or rounds at this point because a lot of wallets are out there already. It's a pretty diluted market. And then it's also hard to beat the incumbents out there. MetaMask has most people. And if not, there's a few others that take the other 20% of users. That being said, I think wallets become more and more important. I'm going to steal a point from Zach here which he always speaks about how wallets are sort of like the first interface for crypto, right? Like that's the community you first come into is whatever wallet provider you use. And those things do earn income, right? You can earn a little revenue just by having a wallet natively in a browser and then you get a kickback to whoever the developer was. So there's revenue from these things. And there are also like different ways for showing adoption, right? Like maybe this is the first time you come into NFTs or this is the first time you use a stable coin. That's going to come because of a wallet. So I think wallets do matter and they're going to become more important over the next few years. If we see this Web3 play actually turn into Web3, if it's just Web2 with this nice little stable coin or like mixer attached to it where I can flip transactions between friends, I don't think there's much there. But if we do get to Web3 where we're using money over the Internet natively quite a bit, then yes, I think this is very valuable and something to invest in. But I'll throw it out to Wendy.
0: One of my concerns that I always have when I see new platforms like this or new wallets come out, especially if, if it's for a mobile device, Jen, was it for a mobile device?
3: Yeah, it's available on yeah. Apple and Android.
0: I just I get concerned because a lot of people will put like everything they have on the cell, the same cell phone that they use for day to day stuff, and that is super super dangerous. Like it, all you need to do is click one of those links they are like your Amazon package is on the way. Here's the FedEx number. You click that, and you've got your, your phone gets completely wiped. I've known people that that's happened to. So my only concern with this type of stuff is, is that there's gonna be a lot of human error that's made and it's just gonna completely turn crypto people off or regular people off. I do think we will successfully merge over from web two to web three, but it's gonna take a lot of time and there's gonna have to be some sort of procedures that come into play to where these wallets have FDIC insurance or like some banking protections because let's face it, who wants to keep all their money on their phone and potentially get it hacked or whatever it is? So I don't know, it makes me nervous. I do want to see some more traditional kind of solutions, I guess. I know that sounds super cringe, but I'm just thinking about the little people. Zach? Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this concept is really interesting, right? The thing about DAOs that you hear about is it's a group text with a bank account, and they decided to make that into this app, right? It is. It's a group text with a shared group pool of funds that you can use to communicate without, again, having to go external to Telegram, Discord, and suffer the potential exploits that occur in those spaces as well, right? So I guess this makes sense that if we're gonna see DAOs emerge as something that uh, can be as small as a pickup basketball game to as big as running a money market protocol on the internet, there's gonna be some messaging layer that needs to happen. And I think that these are sort of the early indications that products like these could fill that niche. Will this fill that niche? Who knows? It might not. It might not find success but it could fill that niche where you have to communicate in a way that's friendly with a pseudonymous crypto ethos. And that's what this looks to achieve based on my reading of what's out here. Anyway, we got to wrap the show because there's only like 25 seconds left. This is The Hash on Monday. CoinDesk TV. I'm Zach. That's Wendy. Jen's here. So is Will. You're here watching this, maybe listening on the podcast a bit later on. That's awesome. Come do it again tomorrow, okay? We'll be here. Maybe you will be too. All right, that's it. We wish you a great day and go have a good week too.
0: You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.